I mean, the timing of that is really amazing. $3.5 million comes from this lady to Hunter Biden and his business partners. And then a week later, Russia invades Crimea. This is February 2014. And then two weeks later, there's the sanctions. She is not, you know, Shazam, she's not on the sanction list. And then the month later, in April of 2014, Hunter Biden gets put on the board of Burisma. He's, that meeting takes place in, in, uh, in Italy with Zolachevsky, the head of Burisma. And guess who's also at the meeting? This Russian woman. That's when this whole thing started to roll with this influence issue that, that, that they were doing and selling the brand. And Joe Biden's in the middle of all that. All right, good Tuesday. Um, wow, lots to break down. Uh, President Zelensky is on Capitol Hill today. He is on the House side. He met with Speaker Johnson, then he's sitting down with Schumer and a bunch of senators. He's making the case to a bunch of military officers today. But man, he gets it. He has four days to convince these guys that uh, that he needs more money. Uh, interestingly enough, as you know, this whole thing is tied to border security. Senator Jim Lankford of Oklahoma is the lead guy over in the Senate. He's basically throwing cold water and saying, I just don't know that we have enough time uh, to get this deal. If he does, uh, it's a border security has to be attached to it. And right now, Republicans aren't seeing enough to make it worth their while. But let, let's keep this in mind, by the way. Um, everyone in Washington wants to present this as a choice. Do we support Ukraine or not? I still think the biggest problem is, is that we're not knowing, understanding where, where the money's going. The Biden administration's own State Department put out a report talking about all the corruption that's going on over there and, and still nothing. Um, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Steve Bannon, by the way, is going to be with us on Friday. So much to get to with him. Set your, I don't know, if you're watching on the first 347, make sure you're recording it. If you're uh, a Rumble or a YouTube subscriber, this is the time to hit that notification button. Same thing on Apple or Spotify. Go over there. Make sure that you're getting it because I'm telling you, I have a lot of questions. And by the way, if you have one, leave it in the comments section for me. Go to the VIP room, seanspicershow.com slash VIP. Put it in the YouTube comments. I want to start reading what you guys are thinking, but I want to know what he thinks about who Trump's VP should be, how Trump should staff a second term. Uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that are going through my mind already, but I want to know what what you think. Uh, Plus some new... Uh, news coming out of both Iowa and New Hampshire. I'm going to get to that in a second. And then I also want to talk to you about the Veep stakes. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had this interesting analysis as to different groups that President Trump is looking at. Some of it is obvious and some of it's just nuts. I'm going to break that down for you in a minute. Uh, but I do want to talk, get this interview with Jim Jordan going. Um, as you guys know, Jim Jordan has been at the forefront of looking into Hunter Biden, into Joe Biden. He's been the driving force, and I'm not talking about in the last couple of weeks. He has been a force uh, since Joe Biden got inaugurated to look at all these deals that Hunter Biden has with Burisma, how they connect to Joe and his brothers, and all of the transactions that occur, all of the people that are surrounding them, all the contradictions, the hypocrisy. Jim Jordan has been at the forefront of this. And as the kids like to say, he has the receipts. He knows how to connect the dots. And he, what I want to get to is like why this impeachment inquiry is so important. What authority does that give him that he doesn't have right now? Who does he want to talk to? What does he still need to know? How does he prosecute that case against Joe Biden? There's a lot uh, that needs to come. And as of at least a couple of months ago, there were a lot of members of the House that weren't ready to support the effort, right? That's why they didn't have the initial vote and they just kind of went forward with it. 
Now they've got a smaller majority. George Santos is by Gonzo. That brings the majority down to three votes. And as I said before, you got Kevin McCarthy that's leaving before the end of the year, number one. That gets you down to two. And then an Ohio rep, Bill Johnson, he's going to leave Congress to become the president of Youngstown State University in Ohio. That'll get your majority down to one. So you better get these votes rolling, boys and girls, because that's going to be harder and harder. And by the way, on the impeachment front, Ken Buck from Colorado already says he's a no. So you don't have much room right now if you want to get this impeachment inquiry going. And I'm going to tell you, if they don't pass this, it's going to be a big, big black eye on them. Because you can't argue that you should go forward with the inquiry if you can't even get that moving. Never mind the articles of impeachment. That will come down the road, potentially. But if you can't even get the inquiry kicked off, you have a problem. Now, I personally believe the last week has really made the case for that. Because Hunter Biden got indicted on nine additional charges. So what, you ask? Okay, your liberal nutty friend or uncle says, so what? Like, this is a witch hunt. Okay, well, Joe Biden is on record saying, my son did nothing wrong, attacking the press for even asking these questions. Okay, well, you don't get indicted by your own DOJ. Never mind the gun charges. This is nine charges on failing to pay $1.4 million in taxes because you blew it all on hookers and drugs and all sorts of crazy stuff. And by the way, you weren't paying your kids, but that's not against the law right now, at least of where these been charged with. But the reality is, is that that's a lie. That's not true. So there is a reason to delve further. If this was a court of law, they'd say, well, the witness wasn't honest with us. So let's keep investigating. That's all this is. Is it an inquiry, an investigation? So I think that they have a right to go through. All right, guys, most of us know what it's like to be without power, sometimes for an hour, maybe a day couple days after a natural disaster, a hurricane, a windstorm, you know, whatever. But now national security experts are warning that our power grid is more vulnerable than ever. And they've identified nine key substations, which if attacked, they're saying we could lose power for months, months. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. So I recommend the Patriot Power Generator, which is a solar generator that you don't have to install in your house. It's portable. You can take it with you. You can use it inside your house. And it's powerful enough that if power goes out, we're talking your phones, your tablets, your computers, medical devices, even your refrigerator gets power. So if you go to fourpatriots.com and use code SPICER, you get 10% off your first purchase. It's fourpatriots.com, includes that Patriot power generator. You'll get a uh, that guarantee for a year, free shipping if it's over 97 bucks. And a portion of every sale is donated to charities that support veterans, right? That's great. So go to fourpatriots.com, use code SPICER, fourpatriots.com. You do not want to be without power in case something happens. Without further ado, let's bring in Chairman Jim Jordan. He's the congressman from Ohio's 4th District. He was a founding member of the Freedom Caucus, a former chairman of that body, but now more importantly, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which is one of the three committees that are part of this investigation uh, into Joe Biden. So without further ado, Congressman, Chairman Jim Jordan. Chairman, thanks for coming back. Always good to see you. So just give me a sense of where we are, four days that Congress is going to be in session this week. What should we expect vis-a-vis the impeachment query before you guys leave town? Well, we expect to vote. We expect it to pass. And of course, the reason you do that is when the full House um, goes on record with a majority supporting an impeachment inquiry, we think it just helps us helps us get the key witnesses we need to talk to. We think they come in quicker or faster. 
I mean, we're having a good conversation with their lawyers. We just think we get them in for the deposition in, in, a, in a more timely fashion. And then certain documents we need, if we ever have to go to court, it helps us with our standing in court because as you, as you well know, the impeachment power is a power solely that resides with the House of Representatives. And if we've made a vote of, the, of a majority of the, of the House uh, to move in that direction, that just carries a lot of weight. So that's why we're doing it. Um, and we think that's going to happen as early as tomorrow. So you're down to three votes because Congressman Santos is off on Cameo making a boatload of cash on videos. <laughs> um, there were a bunch of holdouts before. Uh, when this was initially discussed, what makes you think that they have shifted over to support an inquiry? Because we have so much compelling evidence already. I mean, there's a hand, we, we, we need to talk to the rest of Hunter Biden's business partners. We need to talk to Eric Schwerin. We need to talk to Rob Walker. We need to have uh, uh, Tony Bobulinski and Jim, uh, Jim Biden, uh, his, his uncle. We need, to talk, we need to talk to the guy, Kevin Morris, who paid a bunch of Hunter Biden's taxes, a couple million dollars. So we need to talk to those folks, but we already have compelling evidence. And I tell folks all the time, I think this story is pretty basic. It's really as old as the hills. You got a politician who does certain things. Those things benefit his family financially. And then there's an effort to kind of sweep it under the rug and conceal it. And of course, that, that effort to conceal it was largely David Weiss and how he handled the investigation into Hunter Biden. Um, but I think that's the story. And you look at the evidence, particularly with this Ukrainian energy company, Burisma, where Joe Biden, after getting a call from his son, goes to Ukraine and leverages your tax dollars, your viewers' tax dollars, American tax dollars, to get the prosecutor fired who was pressuring the executives who run this energy company, Burisma, in Ukraine. So uh, there is the action that benefited Hunter Biden because he was on the board of Burisma, this energy company. So how much last week we saw Hunter Biden, another nine charges come out against him, three felony charges for not paying up to $1.4 million in, in taxes. Yeah. I feel like that helped a lot of members come on board because Joe Biden had said, my son has done nothing wrong. I knew nothing of this. He's the greatest and smartest guy ever. And now these members can see that he clearly lied. Is that a yeah. fair statement? That I think that's accurate. And I think it also... The actions of the special counsel, Weiss, you know, the U.S. attorney who's now special counsel, I, I think they just confirm what the whistleblowers told us. The whistleblowers told us these charges should have been brought years ago, and they drug this thing out. But after they came forward and after the court in Delaware said, no, we're not taking this sweetheart plea deal, you now see the special counsel, Mr. Weiss, you know, uh, charging the things that they said, the whistleblower said should have been charged all along. So it further confirms the whistleblower's testimony. And by the way, the whistleblowers have been right all along. We've deposed eight different people associated with the investigation. None of them have refuted in any way the testimony from uh, the whistleblowers. So I think that's that's important. Finally, I would add, this is why the impeachment inquiry is so good, uh, or so important, is because there are two lawyers who the Justice Department refused to let us talk to, Mr. Daly and Mr. Morgan. These two individuals said they were all for charging the 2014-2015 tax years, which is where the the, the bulk of the money from Burisma was coming in. They were all for doing that. Then they changed their position. And as you know, uh, uh, the uh, U.S. attorney, Mr. Weiss, now special counsel, Mr. Weiss, let the statute of limitations lapse for those years. And I say that's an important fact because Burisma takes you to the White House. This takes you to Joe Biden. And they weren't going to have that part of the deal, uh, part of the charging. So uh, this is with the impeachment inquiry, we think it helps us get Mr. Morgan and Mr. Daly in for the depositions that we've been asking for now for months and the DOJ refuses to do. 
So a lot of the reports that I've read have said that you guys are constructing this in a way that you believe the courts will have to intervene. Is that a fair analysis of what's happening? We just think that if, if you know, typically there's something that gets challenged in court. Um, we, you know, we look at some of the correspondence we've got from Hunter Biden's lawyer, uh, Abby Lowell. Um, we just think it makes sense to take this next step. Uh, again, not required in the Constitution, but most impeachment scholars, someone like Mr. Turley, in fact, would say that it helps if, in fact, there is a vote of the full House. So uh, we think for all those reasons, it's important to have this vote. and We think we're going to win on it um, tomorrow. So so last time when the Democrats did this, Republicans called it an illegitimate inquiry. Is having the vote crucial because it flips the tables and says, OK, guys, we did exactly what you wouldn't. We now have the authority. And, and if that does pass and it's cemented, is there any further hurdles? I mean, getting these two attorneys, for example, does that then make it very clear in terms of precedent that there's no obstruction that they can uh, We think forward? so. Yeah, yeah and it's, a, it's a good question, Sean, because, again, we are sort of following the same kind of process that the Democrats followed. They initially started an impeachment inquiry at the at the request of, of uh, then uh, Speaker Pelosi. Uh, then there was an actual vote uh, to move into, you know, and have a vote of the full House. And they were able to pass that. And then they moved through and they actually then brought articles. Whether we bring articles or not uh, will depend on what we find. I do think, though, that the case is already pretty darn compelling. And I presented a lot of this information along with Chairman Comer and Chairman Smith to the conference last week. And again, I think we're going to have the uh, the votes to pass it. And then right now in, in, in the Rules Committee, they're, they're looking at the resolution that would set up the whole process for moving forward with the inquiry. And it's exactly the same rules that the Democrats had four years ago when they did their crazy impeachment of President Trump. So you guys have three committees looking into this. Your committee, the Judiciary Committee, Comer, you mentioned he's got House or uh, the, the Oversight Committee, and then right. Chairman Jason Smith has the Ways and Means Committee. Walk us through kind of what the jurisdiction is and what each committee will look at. We've primarily focused on uh, David Weiss's investigation. So I, you know, we've talked to two FBI agents. We've talked to a number of people from DOJ. We've talked to the U.S. Attorney in Washington, D.C., Mr. Graves, and we've talked to the U.S. Attorney in California, Mr. Estrada. So we've, we've, we've done that. We're we need to talk to Morgan and Daly, and then we will help with the oversight committee who has been focused on the business side of things, which is uh, we will help them in the depositions of Mr. Schwerin, Mr. Walker, Mr. Bobolinsky, uh, Jim Biden, um, and, and, and Kevin Morris, the people who were involved in a, in a kind of a real close way with Hunter Biden's business operation. So we will help with that. And then, of course, the Ways and Means Committee has focused primarily on the two whistleblowers, Mr. Shapley and Mr. Ziegler, who came forward. And I've said, as, as I've said many times, their testimony has not changed. The White House's story has changed multiple times. The Justice right. Department's story has changed multiple times. But the two whistleblowers, they've, they, they've, they've been in the, the hearing, stood up to four hours of cross-examination from the Democrats and the Oversight Committee. Their story has not changed. Their testimony has not wavered because they're telling the truth. And every deposition we've done has further validated what Mr. Shapley and Mr. Ziegler have brought forward. All right, guys, are you tired like I am of testosterone booster products that just don't work? Um, that's why I've got a great idea for you. If you try our sponsor, Nugenics Total Tea, you will get a sample. You get to try before you buy. That's the beautiful thing about Nugenics Total Tea is you get a complimentary sample when you text 231231 and the keyword Spicer, 231231 keyword Spicer. Nugenics Total Tea Testosterone Booster has Testafin, right? That will help you turn back the clock to help you bring out that younger you. Uh, but don't take our word for it. That's the beauty of like what I'm saying. Text 231231 keyword Spicer. You get a complimentary bottle and you get to try before you buy. Uh, you've got nothing to lose. 
all, everything to gain. Uh, and you can now go do this and get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. When you text the word plus, you get Nugenics Thermo X. That is their best, newest, and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose stubborn fat and get lean fast, especially around the holidays when we're maybe putting on a little extra because we're out a little more. Nugenics Total Tea can help you if you add that in. Plus, you get that bottle of Nugenics Thermo X. Such a great word right now. 231-231, keyword Spicer. Remember that texting enrolls you into recurring automated text. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates apply. Number one, doctor-recommended brand by primary care physicians based on an independent survey by IQVIA 2022. So one of the things that has come out over the last couple of weeks are these, these loans. And yet the White House's pushback is, yeah, they were a loan and, and we're just paying them back. The thing that I find interesting is when you give someone a loan, even if it's a family member, you would write that down. I give Jim Jordan $5,000. He agrees to pay me back even without interest, but I'd want something yeah. from you. I trust you. You know that, but, yeah. but I'd want something that shows that I made that transaction. How important is it to establish that, that there's a lack of transparency on this and that if it's a loan, show me something that, that an email, something that shows that there's a loan happening. Right. Right. Uh, Cause right now that seems to be the missing piece from the Democrats argument. Yeah, no, they would they would argue. Well, we wrote loan repayment on the check, so that 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 covers it all. That's that's their defense. So no, you're exactly right. And the American people get this. But doesn't? American- but can I just real quick? There's the, the, one of the things that I had that I, I heard that's really interesting is either it's a loan to your point, like maybe maybe there's no. Let's just say hypothetically, it's it's all on the up and up. I I loan he loaned him forty grand or a hundred grand or whatever it was, yeah. and he wrote it back. Fine. Then there's then then by law by IRS standards that that's taxable funds because it's over right. the seventeen thousand dollars, right? So it's got to be one or the other, right? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't think they can prove it. Uh, you know that that it was really a loan. Um, no, no, no one has produced any evidence, and they just say, oh no, no, it was. We just take our word for it. Kind of kind of approach that I don't think that's going to fly with the American people, particularly when you couple it with everything else, where Joe Biden said he had no involvement with his son or his son's business partners and associates. Well, then we find out there's multiple dinners, multiple phone calls, multiple meetings he had with Hunter Biden and the people he he's or his partners and people he did business with. And of course, the most important one is the meeting he had in, in uh, with with the wealthiest woman in Russia, Miss Baderina, who then meets with Joe Biden, has dinner, uh, and then somehow she escapes the sanctions. I mean, the timing of that is really amazing. $3.5 million comes from this lady to Hunter Biden and his business partners. And then a week later, Russia invades Crimea. This is t- February, 2014. And then two weeks later, there's the sanctions. She is not, you know, Shazam, she's not on the sanction list. And then the month later in April of 2014, Hunter Biden gets put on the board of Burisma. He's, that meeting takes place in, in, uh, in Italy with Zolachevsky, the head of Burisma. And guess who's also at the meeting? This Russian woman. This this Miss Ballerina, like that, that seems strange to me. That's when this whole thing started to roll with this influence issue that 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 they were doing and selling the brand. So I th- I find that interesting. And Joe Biden's in the middle of all that, and he told us that he had no nothing to do with it. So again, multiple times the story has changed. But um, so I think the country has already kind of figured this out. But we want to get these last few witnesses but, in and but, get, get, get their depositions under oath. But don't you agree that I think that the point that I, I'm trying to make to you is, is the following, which is let's just assume that everything you just laid out is a coincidence. 
Okay. Yeah. The loan, if it's not a loan, is therefore then a violation of tax law. You didn't pay yep. taxes on it. Yep. So it's got to be one of the two. And pay, it's, therefore, say to the Democrats, pick your poison. Which law did you break? You get to pick because either yeah. you violated this or you violated tax law. But I think that, you know, we lay out this uh, exactly what you laid out. And some people say, well, that's all coincidence. Fine. Then it must be another violation. But the point is, is that they have to choose which right. poison they want to take. I think that's a compelling case. They did yeah. one or the other, but it can't be none. Can't be both. So tell us which one it is. And if it's taxes, right. show us, show us the, show us your tax return where you, you showed it as income and you pay taxes on it or show us the loan agreement right. where it was actually a loan. And and frankly, where's the first check? If it's a loan repayment, where's the loan initially right, but going? Don't show you us think, that check. So, so don't you think from a messaging standpoint that the, the case that you just laid out, and I agree with you, but it, it takes a while and you have to follow the bouncing ball. And I agree. I mean, that's the beauty of this elaborate thing that they put it together. But I think that from an American people's standpoint and making the case for impeachment, you can easily just say, okay, if you don't buy that, then it is tax fraud. It is yeah. a violation of tax law. So show us the, either the payment and the, and the check that there was the original loan or that you paid it on your taxes. But to your point, I, I just think that for the majority of people that think that this is, you know, just going after Joe Biden, we have a simple sell, which is fine. Yeah. Tell us then if it's not, here's the easiest way to disprove that. And there you go. Great point. Great point. And I think that'll be part of, uh, as we move forward, part of the uh, key discussion. And, and we'll, uh, we'll continue, as I said, to dig into this and, and get inf more information. I mean, remember, the, the, the best testimony we've got thus far was from Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner. We've yet to talk to the other five business partners. So we, we, we need to do that. We think, again, a vote for an official impeachment inquiry by the full House, uh, where a majority goes on record supporting that, will help us get those people in in a, in a much quicker and timely way so we get that information. One other point that's been brought up to me is that a lot of people, and again, I don't know this is true, you guys have the investigative power and the subpoena power and the investigators, but people have said, okay, he made all these improvements on this Rehoboth Beach House, et cetera. Why aren't we calling in contractors to say how and who paid you for all these improvements on his house? That might be a way that he was getting payment for things without revealing it. Is that something that you guys are looking at? Well, right now it's largely the banks getting information into the oversight committee on, on the transactions. You know, we had this two weeks ago, this, this from this Asian American bank where one of the, the compliance officers inside the bank said this huge payment, there's millions of dollars coming from CEFC, the Chinese energy company into the, one of the Biden entities, one of the Biden business entities, it raises all kinds of concerns. I thought the key line in there was, uh, where, where this compliance officer said, that you know, China is trying to influence children of, of of politicians in the United States, trying to gain influence on them. That so, in some ways, we we say, oh, this was always Hunter Biden shaking down these. Maybe it was going the other direction. This is this is foreign interests trying to trying to have influence with p important people in our country, which is really scary, particularly when you're talking about uh, an energy company associated with communist China. So I got two more things to get to you. Uh, the first is give me a timeline. So this inquiry passes the floor and it moves forward. When, if, could, would you expect a final vote on an impeachment to happen? And do you think that even if it passes the House, that there's any chance it moves into the Senate? Well, uh, I, I think it's driven by the, the key people we need to talk to. Now, we're talking to Leslie Wolf, who was the assistant U.S. attorney, talking to her, <coughs> excuse me, on Thursday. We think that's an important interview. Um, and then we have these 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 uh, folks who did business with Hunter Biden. We think those all happen 
in early to mid-January. So I do believe at some point we will have the evidence we need to make a final decision. And, and we'll just look at all the evidence, look at all the facts and say, are we moving forward with articles? Is it, is it a bribery? Is it an abuse of power? Is it obstruction? What are the charges if, in fact, we move forward? And we will have to make a decision as a as a House of Representatives on whether we're going to go forward with actual articles. And if, and if the evidence is there, we'll do it. If the evidence isn't, we won't. But what I do know is thus far, I think the evidence is already pretty darn compelling. When you, when you lay out the Burisma timeline and the actions he took as vice president, and then I think that pattern continued, that influence peddling pattern continued because they saw, wow, this is this, what, what a deal. And they kept it going. Uh, the scary thing is that, that, that line in that, uh, from the compliance officer talking about foreign countries trying to get influence over politicians by giving sweetheart deals to their kids. That's scary because that, that happens in 2018 when China may have been thinking, oh, Joe Biden may be the next president. Let's right. do this. So that's scary. So I think this pattern we already sort of have, but we want to talk to these last few people. All right. Last thing I got for you. Uh, this is the week the House is supposed to vote on the National Defense Authorization Act. Yeah. Section uh, 702 of FISA, that foreign surveillance, is, is currently in the bill as an extension through April. Where do you come down on this? Do you think it's going to pass with that in it? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm opposed to that. I'm opposed to adding the FISA, uh, that 702 language in there. We have a bill that came out of Judiciary Committee 35 to 2, uh, where we actually think we protect Americans' liberties. We have a warrant requirement. If you're going to go fishing around and use Sean Spicer's email address or your phone number and query that in this database, we think they should have to go to a court, uh, go to the court, and get a warrant to do so. We don't think you should be able to use identifiers of U.S. persons to go fish around in this, this big database that they have. Um, other people disagree with us, but the Judiciary Committee, which is the committee of primary jurisdiction, particularly when it comes to fundamental liberties and how our court system operates and how the FBI operates, we had an overwhelming bipartisan vote in favor of protecting your rights and en enforcing the, the, the Bill of Rights and the Fourth Amendment, for goodness sake, when it comes to American, uh, American people. Okay. Chairman Jim Jordan, thanks for sharing the insight with us. Good luck with everything and Merry Christmas if I don't see you, you too. before you too, the Sean. holiday. Take care. All right, if you've been watching the show for a while, you know about my friend Leo Grill. Leo is the founder of Delta Rescue. You can see all the work he's doing at deltarescue.org. But Leo's story with rescuing animals goes far back. He had rescued a Doberman that was very unhealthy, very undernourished. Leo brought it in and he now named the dog Delta. And the thing is, it wasn't just out of thin air. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. And if you know anything about what Delta Rescue's done, I've told you, go to deltarescue.org. Look at the videos. Look at the work that they're doing. It's the largest no-kill sanctuary in the world. If you are an animal lover, you love what Delta Rescue's doing. Um, the thing about Delta Rescue is, I've told you before, all of the great work they do is because of the donations of people like me and you. Five bucks, ten dollars, a hundred, whatever. When you go to deltarescue.org, you can contribute. But more importantly, if you're a real animal lover and you care about the work that these guys do by giving that no-kill sanctuary for life, you can support them by making them part of your estate and helping them make this an enduring mission for Leo and everyone else at Delta Rescue. Go to deltarescue.org, check out that estate planning guide, look at the video, see the work that you'd be supporting, download it, and think about making that part of your estate going forward, deltarescue.org. All right, folks, uh, really interesting conversation with Jordan there, right? Uh, laying out the case, what they... Um, what they hope to get, how they're going to do it, what he's going to be saying, who he needs to get to. I think, look, 
I think I made a pretty compelling case. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but you heard me there. It has to be one or the other. Either this is a loan, which is what really starts to tie this to Joe Biden, and they should be able to show it to you. I don't care who you are. If you loan money to someone in that nature, don't you think you send an email and say, hey, just want to make sure you got the money for the loan? Uh, just write it down so that there's a record of this. I mean, you've been in government. You would want to, I mean, think about it. He was on the banking committee. He knows the law. Joe Biden was chairman of the Senate banking committee. He knows the law. So you can't, just off due diligence, you'd say, hey, why don't we write this down? I'm not charging you interest or anything, but I want to make sure that I can prove it's all above board. Okay. So if that's not the case, right? If it's not a loan, then you have to be able to, or if it is a loan, then either you show some paperwork, say here it is, or even if you didn't do that, then you had to by law claim it on your taxes, anything over $17,000. If I give my kids $18,000, you have to pay taxes on that. That's the law. You can give anyone in your family 17 grand tax-free. Just do it. You used to go over that number, you have to pay taxes on it. So if they, if they, did it, then they should be able to say, great, here's the tax returns from that year. Here's me paying taxes on the 40 grand and the other amounts. But it has to be one or the other. Democrats can't get away with, this is a witch hunt. Okay, great. There's an easy way out of this. And I hope that that's what the Judiciary Committee does. And I hope that the media, well, it'd have to be more than hope. But you get my point. It's a very simple proposition. It should not be that difficult. It's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. You can't utterly deny that it didn't happen and then say, but I can't show you the other stuff. That's easy. Here it is. Here's my tax returns. Here's the note that says, yes, with, you know, even if it's without interest, here is my IOU to him scratched on a piece of paper. But there's no way anybody lends you that kind of cash without some record of it. And again, even if they did, there is a legal requirement to pay taxes on anything over $17,000. Where is that reflected? This is not tough. And I hope we start seeing Republicans embrace the simple messaging because that's what it's going to take to get the American people on board. That's what we miss so often, I think. Sometimes the easy sells. President Trump often does this. You see him just say, it's a witch hunt. It's this, it's a hoax. He gets that. We need to do the same thing on that. Well, they need to do the same thing on the Hill. That's where they need to go. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Zelensky's on the Hill. This is going to be interesting to see how this shakes out because Zelensky's running around trying to make the case that if you don't help save us, then Putin is going to go into a NATO country and you are required by Article 5 to then help him, to help that country. And that will send American troops there. So help me prevent you from having to do that is basically the Zelensky case right now. I don't, I think the problem is they're missing the accountability. Americans are tired of sending billions and billions of dollars while we can't control our own southern border and then hearing, oh, we need more. This administration beyond that has not given us a game plan. What's the exit strategy? What does victory look like? Just writing checks endlessly? It just, it, there's no way if you went in for a loan, they'd say, what does the house look like? What is the business going to do? What are your metrics? How do you know success? And, and the administration just keeps coming back and saying, we need more. Zelensky tells them, they tell us. This isn't, this isn't a one-time deal. We said, hey, we're going to send you $10 million. 
This is billions and billions of dollars. There's no accountability and there's no plan. And it would be irresponsible to then send them more without either of those two. So we'll see where this thing goes. Um, I do want to touch on the Trump trial. There's an update with Jack Smith, the university updates from these presidents, because there's a little bit of a meltdown happening. Uh, I told you I talked to you about the beef steaks and then an Iowa and New Hampshire update for you all. Let's start um, with what's going on with Jack Smith. This is important to understand. Uh, I was sort of shocked when I saw these reports. Two things. One, he's asking the Supreme Court for an expedited review of whether Trump can face consequences of some of these actions. Why is that important? Well, I didn't think it was, at first I thought he's just, you know, getting it up to the court. But some of these legal scholars have started to point out he's short-circuiting the process because he wants a conviction during the presidential cycle. I didn't think about that. Normally this would play out that you go to the appeals court, right? And then if you lost or won at the appeals court, it would go to the Supreme Court. Jack Smith's going straight to the Supreme Court asking for an expedited review of whether Trump is immune from these prosecutions. Why? Because if the Supreme Court rules in his favor now, then you just, you know that you can go through this trial and a conviction stands. And that affects the election. They know what they're doing. But also, this is the other thing that's happening is that he is calling on expert witnesses because they claim that they have the data from Trump's phone. We all heard about the, the cell phone that he had. He would call people, whatever. But obviously, each one of these phones has a ton of data in it, telling us where we were, tracking our every move, right? It's a big footprint. We all know that, I assume. That's why I'm so concerned about TikTok and all these other things, because the Chinese are hacking in all of our information. But now Jack Smith has got, apparently, access from Trump. He's got three witnesses. The first one says that they've plotted the location of data for Google accounts and devices associated with individuals who moved on January 6, 2021 from an area at or near the ellipse to an area encompassing the United States Capitol building. What does that mean? It means that they've basically taken Trump's phone, looked at everyone else around it, and then watched those people move. Wow. Talk about big brother. Expert two they say will testify about the process of determining device location, the collection and use of location history data by Google LLC, and the location history data produced in response to a search warrant and included in the graphical representation pre prepared by number one. Again, now they're connecting the dots. Who was that person? Where did they go? What did they do? They're trying to show, right? Look at this. Hey, you were here near Trump. Then you went and did this bad thing connection, right? You did bad thing. You were near Trump. Trump is bad person. An expert three has knowledge, skill, and expertise training and educating beyond the ordinary layperson regarding the analysis of cell phone data, including the use of Twitter and other applications of cell phones. What does that mean? Well, what that means is it's not just your location anymore. Now it's here's Trump. Here's you. What did you tweet? Oh, you tweeted all these bad things about January 6th, about overthrowing the government, about the Electoral Count Act, about whatever. We now know all that. And now we can go after you, but not just that, but we can now connect you back to Trump. You see the dots they're connecting? Trump here, you and you and you and you and you here. Here's where you went and here's what you said. And the idea is to draw a direct connection and say, this is all Trump inspired. He's at the nexus of it all. Therefore, you must convict. He is the basis of all of this activity. Your movement, your speech, all goes back to Trump. That's what Jack Smith's trying to do. 
keep an eye on that. I want to move on to the Harvard uh, and MIT and UPenn presidents. We saw the UPenn president resign over the weekend. Why? Someone keeps saying, why is that one different? Why? Because donors at Penn were bailing. And that's what they respond to. MIT has sort of been shielded in this, which is fascinating. But let's move on to Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard. She's the one who said that it depends on the context. It depends on the context? That's what she said. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish that. students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When it and is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard code of conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. God, I remember being on the uh, campus of Harvard. I literally had to have armed security. That's, you know, they had someone assigned to me so I could go talk to students. Unbelievable that that has to happen. But she says it depends on the context. Remember when President Trump, after Charlottesville, says there were good people on both sides? And to this day, everybody goes nuts. How could he possibly say that? How could he defend anybody uh, that believed in, in uh, the Confederacy or preserving these historical landmarks, et cetera, et cetera? But yet it depends on the context of genocide. Where's the outrage for all of these folks in the media? Because they don't care, because it's Harvard. And we all know that deep down, yes, this was a foot fault. But let's get back to making sure that we indoctrinate the kids and squash out conservative thought. We need to protect her. 500 faculty members have rallied around her. Think about that. Imagine you're a Jewish student on campus. What do you think? You're taking a class. Maybe it's a staff member who's running something and you think to yourself, you think it's okay to call for the genocide of people like me? <laughs> What, what is going on? And by the way, Biden last night has this party uh, at the Hanukkah celebration. He was in Pennsylvania yesterday and nada, nothing. Biden loves to every turn. He calls out extreme MAGA Republicans and this and that. These people need to be denounced and they're horrible people. And yet he won't call out three people that said it depends on the context of the genocide of the Jewish people. That's not very tough. Where is he on this? Where's the press corps saying, gosh, Mr. President, you call it out all the time. Why? Because it's political. Because he's worried about his vote in Michigan. And he's worried about his vote among young people and other demographics that are part of the Democratic coalition that are not with him right now because they support Hamas. And he's worried about them politically. That's what's going on. 
It's amazing. You can call it MAGA extreme Republicans every single day, but not one word about this at a Conica celebration at the White House or when he's in Pennsylvania. After the Democratic governor, by the way, who's Jewish, had no problem calling out the president of UPenn. Pretty amazing, isn't it? All right, let me uh, let me touch base on on this piece I mentioned at the beginning. The Wall Street Journal put out a story laying out in four different tiers who could be Trump's vice president. I want to run through this uh, real quick. He talks about the first category, political veterans, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Tom Cotton, Marco Rubio, Mike Pompeo. Look, I'll say this from the outset. I think everyone but Nikki Haley, I could see on there. Um, Tom Cotton, yeah. Mike, Marco Rubio, yeah. Pompeo. I just don't think he's going to pick a, a man. I think he understands Trump gets this politically. He's going to pick a woman. That's what's going to happen. So, and anyone who thinks Nikki Haley is going to do this, I've covered this before, is nuts. Nikki Haley doesn't want the job. He doesn't want Nikki Haley. Not going to happen. And this just shows you how stupid these people are at the Wall Street Journal sometimes. The loyalists is group two. Senator J.D. Vance, Governor Huckabee Sanders, Governor Christy Nome, John Radcliffe, the former uh, Director of National Intelligence and Congressman, Carrie Lake, Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay, I don't think this is that crazy. I still go back to my nut that it's going to be a woman, so he's going to choose either Sarah Huckabee Sanders or Christy Nome. Those have always been my two... Uh, standout people. I do think Mike Pompeo on the first list is always a dark horse as well. Um, Carrie Lake, again, she's running for the Senate. She's never done anything in government before, and I think that would be a hindrance. Uh, number three, they call it the up-and-comers. Byron Donalds, congressman from Florida. Elise Stefanik, congressman from New York. Tudor Dixon, remember she challenged uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan. Nancy Mace, congressman from South Carolina. And Rep. Wesley Hunt, uh, West Point grad from Texas, congressman. Nancy Mace, are you nuts, Wall Street Journal? Seriously, you think Nancy Mace, after all this stuff, the things that she said, et cetera, et cetera, come on. That's just stupid reporting. The last thing, the wild cards, Tucker Carlson, Rick Scott, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Look, uh, I think Tucker is someone that I would have said a month ago was nuts to consider. I think the president likes Tucker. We've heard reports that Melania Trump likes Tucker. So I'd keep that. The only thing that that I would say is a little crazy is Tucker just launched this new Tucker Carlson network streaming service. So the question is, how much does he want to divert from that, growing that business, which I assume is going to be wildly successful to getting out of it right now at these early stages. All right. The last thing I want to tell you about is in Iowa, uh, there's supposed to be a debate, a CNN debate right now, Ramaswamy and Christie don't qualify for it because they put a 10% polling threshold on it. And neither one of them hit it. DeSantis said, yes, Nikki Haley is demurring right now and saying, I don't know that I want to do that. Go one-on-one with DeSantis. So keep an eye on that. I told you debates were going to be interesting. But here's the other big report that's coming out. and We should be seeing it right about now. Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire is appearing with Nikki Haley tonight. The rumors and the reporting is that he will endorse her in New Hampshire. Why does that matter? It matters because of this. If Ron DeSantis loses Iowa. And when I say loses, he has already said he has to, he wants to win. He will win Iowa. If he doesn't win Iowa, he's out. He's out. Christie and Noah, Christie and Haley now are going to be the proverbial front runners in, in New Hampshire. He's not doing well there. Everything on the line for DeSantis in Iowa, if he doesn't do well, he's out. So that's a big, big deal for that. All right. Thanks for being with us. Uh, what a great show. I love Jim Jordan's take on everything. Please continue to, to drop me your ideas and thoughts in our VIP community, seanspicershow.com slash VIP. You can always text me 
888-444-4991. We've got a great week. As I said, Steve Bannon will be here later this week. Uh, thanks for subscribing on YouTube, on Rumble, Spotify, Apple, and spreading the word. I appreciate it. I'll see you back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show.